What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. We're still here in New York City, having a great time, getting no sleep. You know how it goes. I might sound a little tired. Um, <clears throat> it's one of those things where I think this happens a lot in New York, at least to me, where I'm like, I'll go out and be like, yeah, I'll be home by 11. And then it's like three o'clock. And I don't, I'm that person too. Like every time I get home, I have to like have an hour of my own time where I'm like, all right, I'm, it's two in the morning, but I want to watch The Office for an hour. I want to watch Seinfeld for an hour. I've recently got not back into anime, but starting to because and this ties into stocks. I'm getting I, most people know I'm a big comic book fan, but I'm getting into manga, which is people know, most people know is Japanese comic books, and then the TV shows, anime, Japanese, the manga turning into anime, the show feels like we do here in the states, but. I was, I put my hands up to anime for a long time. I was like, nope, I don't want to watch it. I don't, I don't, it's not my thing. But because of learning options via Japanese candlesticks, I'm realizing more and more that the Japanese just haven't figured out. And I may have said this in a previous episode. I can't remember because I've been saying it to a lot of people now. But honestly, Japanese culture has got it fucking figured out. I've never been to Japan, but I've heard only the best things about how clean everything is, how efficient everything is. They are like the hardest working people. Um, but you look at like all this, the stuff that related to that culture and I'm like, holy shit. So much st- like the Japanese candlesticks, the food, amazing. Japanese chefs are incredible. Japanese steel with their knives. I mean, the best knives in the world. Like everything they do is to the nines. You know, if they decide to do something, they do it right and they do it perfectly and they do it way more advanced than you ever thought that they would or anyone would. So I'm like, you know what? They seem to have it figured out with fucking everything. I'm going to try out these. uh, I'm going to get into more of these anime shows. But I want to read the manga first because that's usually my thing. You know, just like with any movie or TV show, I read the books or comics first and then check out the movie. I'm kind of breaking that rule a little bit by watching Attack on Titan. I have the books ordered. They're at home waiting for me. But getting into it, you know, getting into it, gang. We're getting into it. I mean, honestly, the, from what I've seen with Japanese candlesticks, it's convinced me enough to think that anime is the move or it's the next thing I should waste. I'm going to waste my summer reading mangas. I'm going to buy like big box sets of mangas and just read them on the beach. That's my white boy summer this year. I got a downshift from last year. We're still, I mean, white boy summer is still going to be great, but I got a downshift a little bit. I mean, broke a few bones last year, jumped out of a plane. We got to, it was good, but whoa, we got to chill. Let's maybe have a little, uh, a little relaxing summer here. So, you know, little books on the beach. Um, that might be, that might be the move, but I am, uh, I'm staying in Midtown of New York city. If anyone's familiar with that, if you're, you know, Midtown Manhattan or is uh, uh, better known as the armpit of New York city. It's like the Hollywood Boulevard of, of New York. It's just like, why is anyone here? This is stupid. I get annoyed every, I, my pedestrian road rage is getting worse <laughs> and my patience in coffee shops is zero. Like I get, so, I, I, cause I just, I'm a black coffee guy. I got my, you know, as Keanu trades would say, I got my $14 latte sitting next to me, but it's, you know, a $4 black coffee, which is not a great price, but actually in current inflation times, a four, $4 for like a gourmet black coffee is pretty banging deal. Anyways, <clears throat> I get annoyed because I'm like, why can't there just be a line for just give me get, there should be an express lane. For just the small black coffee. I gotta wait for every asshole to put in their like five steps to their coffee. This isn't, no. Like, this isn't Starbucks. Get out. Just get a black coffee and go home. Maybe a latte. I'll do a latte. You know, sometimes sometimes just drinking straight black coffee is a little too hard on the stomach. Gotta go, gotta go with latte. I get it. 
But even then, that's a quick order. Hey, man, latte. But whatever. Takes him forever. Um, did some paper trading yesterday down in my hotel lobby with my friend Lauren, who's also, you know, pretty active in the Discord. I think her Chicago girl is her, 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 her handle in there. Um, Chicago girl something. But we were, we were doing some paper trading down in the lobby. And it was funny because Lauren was found this Twitter she was looking at the Twitter charts on Weeble. And by the way, that's kind of people that do trade options. Feel free to send me your favorite platforms on which to trade and do your research. I would love to talk about them and research them myself because I spent a good chunk of yesterday just kind of clunking through different. I mean, I already know I've, I use Thinkorswim as, you know, for paper trading, TD Ameritrade. They've changed the app recently. It's a little confusing again, um, just like every options platform. Weeble is simple, but I like their web. Their they updated their desktop app recently, and that for looking at charts is really good. That's what we were using yesterday. Um, so whatever whatever platform you use, feel free to to tell me or like or or even like what what interval candles you look at. I know most most people in our group in the Discord use five minute candles, but I'd love to hear what people's um techniques are a little bit. See what's so similar and. I'd, I'd love to try some myself and kind of experiment with them because I think I found a good system yesterday of having my, my phone, like maybe buying the contracts on Weeble on my phone, but checking the contracts on the desktop app because buying the contracts on the desktop app is can, annoying and confusing, but on the mobile app, it seems easier for me at least, but the charts are so much cleaner and easier to read on the desktop app. So I'm seeing now why people have like these trading desks with like five monitors and all their different sh all the shit going on. But anyways, we were downstairs and Lauren had the Twitter chart up on Weeble and she was like, hey, check this out. And not that I know many patterns or anything like that at this point, but I'm, I'm getting them. And it was just a nice, you know, Twitter had a little downtrend, but then had a nice engulfing, like a perfect engulfing green candle um, around like $45, like 44 and change. And I was like, ooh, I'd maybe buy like a call like right here. If that next little candle kind of starts popping up, I would just come in as soon as you start seeing that next candle growing a little bit. And uh, neither of us did, <laughs> but it would have been per it was a perfect little play, that engulfing candle. And then it made like a nice, uh, it formed a double bottom perfectly. And you could have made probably a quick, I think like 30, 40% in like an hour or two on that Twitter play. We both just watched it happen, called it out in the Discord after the fact, and uh, although Lauren may have bought it, I, I didn't. Um, I was doing some paper trading. I did a put on NVIDIA yesterday and made a few bucks and then just got out. Again, just trying to stay disciplined with my rules. I wanted to play Shopify, which by the way, Shopify is getting punished still. Now hitting, hit, it, it dipped below 500 today. I mean, if we see it going to the 400s, I think we might see some some more pain, no doubt. I know that there were some analysts that raised um, Roth Capital, kind of trimmed their target from 850 to 625. So still pretty high upside. If you look across the board at the Shopify price targets, they're like, I think the average price targets are on like 980 something uh, with a relatively, not an aggressive buy rating, but a mostly a buy rating with a 900 and some price target. So that's representing a quite a big upside from where it's at now. I mean, almost a double up. <laughs> um so again, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think it's going to nine hundred dollars tomorrow, but I still think Shopify is a, is a good business and a good company. Um, and so I'm not going to sell any of my shares. I'm still going to hold on to it, and if it, we'll see where it goes. Um, 
I'm going to kind of wait to see where this levels out at this point and try to snag some stuff up. I haven't bought any yet. I know I've talked about it in previous weeks, but I haven't done any yet. But it's definitely one on the eye for the long-term portfolio if it keeps getting there. Same with Square. Again, Square looking to go a little bit below 100. It's at a 111. So again, that's another one to keep an eye on for long-term stuff. But I wanted to play an option on both. I wanted to play options on Tesla earnings, but those contracts were crazy expensive. And I'm trying to, again, I talk about this like paper trade like you would actually trade. So if I'm doing paper trading, I don't want to you know, make these crazy plays that I wouldn't do in my actual account because it's like, yeah, it's good to know that you know what you're you're doing with that play. But at the same time, it's not to me, it's not really helping you. Like I forget one of my old uh, I played percussion for 13 years and played in the drum line in college. Fun fact for two years. And one of my old drum instructors would say practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And I was like, damn, that's right. Because so many people when they go to like when they go to practice, they phone it in. I'm like, oh, but I put in the time. It's like, yeah, but you didn't do it right. You know, it's like people that go to the gym and just half-ass a treadmill and go home and then probably eat a pizza because they went to the gym. Like, oh, I went to the gym today. I should reward myself. It's like, yeah, you you went and barely did anything, and then you rewarded yourself with more calories. You probably should have you should have just not even gone. You know, so kind of in uh, kind of that mentality a little bit. So I try to bring that to my paper trading strategy. Um, and, I mean, speaking of Tesla earnings, crushed it again. I didn't play the options because, again, the options were expensive because everyone knows that Tesla gets crazy around earnings season. So the options were crazy expensive. I didn't play any of them. But, I mean, the same things keeps happening. I mean, I've said this forever. I, I keep, you know, in previous episodes too recently – was just kind of saying like, hey, they're going to keep separating themselves from the pack. They're going to keep making bigger and bigger profit margins. And that's what's really blowing away Wall Street right now is those profit margins um, because that's the stuff that's really going to kill some of these startup companies that are, you know, not really making any profit. They're just burning through investor cash. Like I'm here at the, you know, the New York Auto Show here in Manhattan you know, VinFast has a display. I've seen them at the LA Auto Show at the LA Auto Show as well. It's a Vietnamese EV company, and they got a nice display and they got all this nice stuff. But it's like, is someone really going to put their dollar in a VinFast car versus Tesla, or like any of these other manufacturers that are proven now making EV vehicles? I mean, making EVs. They're all doing them now. And so, and that's what's funny is like with the whole Netflix thing. You know, Netflix eating shit. We all know that after that earnings this week, losing subscribers for the first time in 10 years, something like that. And, you know, Michael Burry, of course, our favorite Michael Burry, the one trick, the one hit wonder Michael Burry comes out and says, oh, yeah, warning to Netflix or warning to Tesla investors. Let this Netflix crash be a, a warning to you. Yeah, dude, Netflix, look, I still believe in Netflix being a market leader in streaming. They're not going to they're not going anywhere. Like Netflix is still going to be Netflix, okay? Don't get it twisted. They did raise their prices too quick and take away too much content too fast and shot themselves in the foot a little bit. But they're going to recover, they're going to be fine. But, you know, Michael Burry coming out being like, "Ah, the competition came for him," which is true. I'm not saying Netflix is going right back to $700 a share if ever. I mean, maybe in the long term, but not in the near future. And so 
for Michael Burry to say that, you know, the same thing's going to happen to Tesla. It's like, well, no, making a streaming service. I can make a streaming service. It's easy to make a streaming service. I mean, everyone has one now. I was walking down the street. There's CNN Plus now. Who's paying extra for news like that? I mean, if you want to pay, pay real journalists on like paid sites, like paid, uh, you know, Patreon and Substack and all that shit. And then if you want to add all the New York Times, you know, LA Times, all the periodical. I mean, if you're in media, I feel like you should do that. If you're in like, you know, I should do that. I should just subscribe to all those or a few of them. You know, not that I believe any, any one of them, but it's nice to just like stocks, absorb everything, trust nothing. <laughs> so read everything, believe nothing. Just kind of make your own, form your own opinions, but have all the information there at your disposal. Um. But yeah, just everyone has. It's easy for everyone to make a streaming service now. It's like it's not hard. Like versus, okay, everyone can make a streaming. Like every media company can make a streaming service. It's not expensive, but to make a electric vehicle at scale for profit is almost impossible. And Elon Musk said that himself many times. He says it. Every, he says it every once in a while, like with the Rivian thing. He said it to Rivian. He's like, great. Now do it at profit. Now make a bunch of them. You know, and so that's the thing. Like we, we've said this time and time again, a broken record. Tesla spent 10 years figuring it out. Their margins are getting better and better because of that. They make their own batteries. They got the best supply chain. Like they just have the best. They're efficient. There's no more. There's not a more efficient automaker in the world right now. There is. I'm not saying they make the most vehicles. They're not. But when it comes to efficiency, there's no one better. And you're seeing that reflected in their earnings. Like let's 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 look at some numbers real quick. Tesla year over year. Revenues 10.4 billion to 18.8 billion. 81% up year over year. Gross profit 2.2 to 5.5, 147%. There you go. Those margins getting better and better. Operating expenses only going up 15%. Think of how much more look at how much more revenue. So 81% more revenue, 147% more gross profit. Now, most people know the more money you make, the more cost you incur. So operating expenses only went up 15%. 81%, 140%, only paying out an extra 15%. Amazing. Net income, $438 million to $3.3 billion. That's a fun one. 658% year over year. Earnings per share, $0.39 cents to $2.86. 633% year over year. Free cash flow, $293 million to $2.2 billion. 660% year over year. And that's really fucking important too, because that's a point I keep making with these other automakers. They're going to run out of investor cash where they ever make a fucking dollar. I'm telling you right now. The legacy automakers will be fine because they have money and they have assets. They got cash on the balance sheet. But these other companies, Rivian, I mean, Rivian's Amazon backed, but even eventually Amazon's going to be like, look, we're, we're good. Or like VinFast. VinFast is going to burn through all that cash before they can catch up. I made the same point with Lucid. Lucid wants to make a half million vehicles a year by 2030. Tesla did that last year, and Lucid doesn't even have the operating capacity to do that. And to do it, they would need billions of more dollars of free cash flow to build those factories. Tesla's already paid off Giga Berlin. Or no, Giga Austin. I forget which one. Um, but they paid it off hella fast. But it's because they did stock sales last year, or 2020. I can't remember which year now. They all blend together. But that's crazy. And that free cash flow is going to be super important because guess what? They need to make more vehicles. Demand is huge. And they're going to keep building gigafactories and all that shit. 
And that's just the vehicles. I mean, Elon, even in the earnings call, said, hey, vehicles are great, but people don't even realize the robot's going to be bigger than the vehicles. That kind of freaks me out. I'm not really a big fan of fucking robots. But like I said, I'm glad he made it the size of a fourth grader. So if it does turn on you, you can kick its ass. All right. They'll make these robots that are six, nine. and can, you know, protect the paint. <laughs> I'll need that shit. You don't want one you can smack around every once in a while. Um, there's also a couple more things with Tesla. Uh, Kathy Wood raised her price, uh, predicts Tesla to hit 4,600 a share by 2026. Um, you know, Kathy Wood famously made the call on Tesla when it made its last run in 2020. Um, they're also another cool thing. This is probably helping. This will help even more in the future for Tesla earnings. They're not, excuse me. They're no longer including charging equipment with, with vehicles. <clears throat> and they're, uh, you know, it's just something you have to buy separate. Oh, where have I seen this before? I'm holding an iPhone as we speak. <laughs> doesn't come with headphones. Doesn't come with a charger. Well, it comes with a cord, but no charging block. You can buy all that shit separate. That's where the money is. Nickel and diamond, baby. It's the, it's the, the Apple business model. And guess what? People are going to fucking pay it. They're going to pay it. And so uh, I compare Tesla to Apple all the time. And so it's just another example of where they're doing the exact same shit. Yeah, buy the accessories separate. And it is wasteful. People already have charging equipment. And they're buying a car that comes with it. It is kind of wasteful. So it's like, hey, we'll include it if we need it. And if not, you can just buy it from us and we're going to make more money. And if you're going to complain, then uh, don't buy a Tesla, you know. S smart business, man. Same thing Apple does. They're like, look, you don't want to pay it, then don't do it. But you're going to, so deal with it. I also don't think you can buy Teslas after you lease them anymore. That's another nice little flex Elon's throwing at the rich folks. Where he's like, hey, man, you can lease it, but uh, you can't buy it when you're done, so suck it. I think that's pretty great. Uh, I don't know if he's. I don't think he's going to take over Twitter, by the way. I, it'd be cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. The board of the directors are going to get in the way, which is hilarious because the board of directors at Twitter like barely hold that much of the stock compared to, you know, <laughs> everyone else. And Jack Dorsey had a tweet. Um, he literally said he replied to some tweet. Uh, let's see. I don't even know who said this, but it was replying to like a Jack tweet. And some guy said, if I look into the history of Twitter board, it's intriguing as I was a witness on its... God, this guy has no fucking grammar. He's foreign. Hang on, let's see. Okay. <clears throat> Let me try to breathe. He wrote this in like such terrible, such bad grammar. Let me try to read it. If I look into the history of the Twitter board, it's intriguing as I was a witness of its early, in its early beginnings, mired in plots and coups, in particular amongst Twitter's founding members. I wish it could be made into a Hollywood thriller one day. And Jack Dorsey replied, it's consistently been the dysfunction of the company. And then <laughs> and he didn't give specifics, but one, one Twitter user wrote in the thread, good boards don't create good companies, but a bad board will kill a company. Wait, good boards don't create good companies, but a bad board will kill a company every time promoting Jack Dorsey to respond with big facts. <laughs> so, you know, Dorsey leaving Twitter to go to focus on square and block, you know, square slash block. 
I knew it. He didn't give a shit. He was tired of it. Twitter's board getting in the way, and then Elon offering this. I mean, if I, if I'm on the board of directors and Elon Musk offers to buy Twitter, I would be like, yeah. I, I don't know. It seems good. It seems like a good thing for us. It's a good PR move. Gets you know get a lot of cash. I'm sure he has ideas for it. Whatever. I don't think it's a bad move, but I don't think it's gonna happen. They're gonna get in the way. They they did the what they poison pilled him where they basically have to get board approval. Like he can't. You can't go to the shareholders. I got the email. I'm a Twitter shareholder, right? So I got the email to vote, but it doesn't matter because the board's going to step in anyways. They're like, hey, you can vote, but if the board doesn't approve it, it doesn't matter what the shareholders think. Hmm, where have I seen that before? Sounds like American politics, does it not? Uh, it's kind of the same shit. So interesting. Interesting about Twitter's board. I, again, don't think Elon's going to take it over. It'd be fun, though. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. He did get funding for it. I mean, how hard can that be? His last, his last like bonus from his earnings was like $23 billion, so half of Twitter anyways. But also, <clears throat> I want to get back to the, the Netflix a little bit because the... Again, I, do sell, I don't have Netflix in my long-term portfolio. I, I have a few shares in my parents' portfolio that's probably down... <laughs> there uh the netflix is down the portfolio is not but so bill ackman if you guys remember the famous uh hedge fund boy runs pershing square capital bill ackman he bought like a billion 1.1 billion dollars with the netflix and as soon as this netflix dip happened i kept thinking like i wonder i wonder what's gonna happen i wonder what bill ackman did like i wonder what he's up to because i know he bought that billion and uh Reuters in the morning said Ackman's fund likely feeling the pain <laughs> of the Netflix drop. And sure enough, uh, he was feeling the pain so much that he dumped his shares. He gave up on Netflix and took a $400 million loss. So, hey, your portfolio not feeling too hot? Um, yeah, Bill Ackman not feeling that not too hot either. I mean, they still managed $22 billion of assets, so fuck them. But... And Bill Ackman, I've I've talked shit about before. He's a douchebag. He likes to use the media to make to like manipulate to like boost his own place. He did that in COVID, so he's probably doing it again. To be honest with you, this slime ball's got it figured out. Like I, because honestly, he could just make the news. Like if because I was thinking like if he once I saw that I was like okay Netflix is gonna have more pain tomorrow for sure. Once I saw like aftermarket that that was announced, I was like, okay, Netflix is probably gonna free fall sub below, probably below two hundred. I think it'll hit hard resistance at two hundred, but it'll likely free fall below that on that news. And so, to me, it's like, okay, he could sell all those shares. You got a four hundred million dollar loss on the books. You could use to your advantage somehow. Uh, well, I guess you can't deduct that much, so never mind. But he probably, I mean, he's got to do something with it. Like, I wonder if he played some sort of puts or calls, or he could do both, or he could, like, sell all the shares on the news. He knows it's going to dip another 20%, 25%. Then he could come back in and rebuy the dip himself while, as he's buying the dip, playing call options on the dip. It's like, because when you have that kind of money, you can move the stock yourself. And I know they all do these tricks. They're all dirty as shit. If you don't follow Unusual Whales on Twitter, that's an interesting account to follow. I do because they kind of follow some of the, the, the dark money and kind of the algo flow from the big, the big, um, just where big money's moving. So Netflix went down like what, 37%, 40% that day? 
um, but seven days seven days before that, there was a huge monthly Netflix put bought, hundred thousand contracts at two dollar ask price. They'll make a th- and made a thousand percent. They stood and that was when it was only down twenty seven percent. So that probably made what fifteen hundred percent. And then the night before Netflix earnings, the most active chain before close was three hundred dollar Netflix puts. And all the top trades were bearish. So it's like it's just that's confirmation yet again that they always fucking know. Someone always knows. Someone always knows something and plays it. You can't tell me that wasn't insider trading. You can't tell me that the night before Netflix earnings, the biggest flow is 300 puts and all the big money hit it right 100%. Because, yeah, you have retail coming in, you know, making their bets. But when all the big money were bearish, it's like, come on. Someone sent out an email. Well, they didn't send an email because they're not that stupid. But I, I made the joke in previous episodes where, like, if three guys get stakes, they could just say at dinner, you know, like, hey, we're going to go to steak tonight. Steak night's, you know, our signal for selling the next day or some shit. It's that easy. So it's like someone always knows. Someone always has insider information and uses it to their advantage. And now while I have bought Netflix shares in a, for my parents' stock, one of their brokerage accounts, I, have, I haven't touched it again myself since it was above this price, but I took it at a loss. I sold Netflix at 271 years ago before, before COVID. And so, and I've talked about it on previous episodes where, although I believed in Netflix, I didn't get back into it simply because I was treating it like a bad ex-girlfriend. Where it's like, look, you burned me once. I'm not going to fall back in love with you and have you hurt me again. Although I have done that. But not again. All right? And not with Netflix. So I compare, you know, <laughs> compare a stock like that to a bad breakup. Where you're like, you know what? Hope you're doing great, but I'm not going to look at you. You know, I don't look at stocks that I've sold. If I sell a stock, I'm like, oh, I wonder if it went up since I've sold it. Nope. That's, checking, that's like checking the Facebook of your ex. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what's going on. If they're doing great, great. If they're doing bad, great. Doesn't matter. <laughs> now, of course, you want the stock to be down and your ex to be single, right? But, hey, sometimes it doesn't all work out that way. And so you can't... I just I think it's funny. It is true that you do feel that way. I get the same feeling sometimes when I look at a stock. I'm like, fuck, it went in. Damn it. I let a good one go. Well, the other way, when you're like, you sell a stock and it takes a shit, and you're like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that that person was not going to get it together, you know. So I just, I, I had too many emotions tied up in Netflix, so I didn't, I didn't touch it. But it'll all be okay, Netflix holders. And here's the thing, like I said, I'm not thinking it's going back to 700, but once the dust settles here, I think if you do want to get out of your position, I don't think you can. I mean, don't sell now at this point you're better off just kind of waiting for a little bit better of it. Maybe get like, just get a dead cat or yeah, get a dead cat bounce and just maybe sell on that. Get a pop to 220, 240, 250 and get out. I said, I think that's realistic. Maybe 275. You know, Bill Ackman bought all his shares at almost 400, 360 to 390. And what's funny is he could have at one point sold that for like a hundred million dollar gain. And then he held it and now he's losing 400. And I think it's kind of silly. I'm surprised he did that, to be honest with you, because he like 
nothing his investment thesis shouldn't have changed from like what he said when he bought those shares i read what he i mean he basically just said like look they might have a little bit less subscriber growth but they've they've displayed that they're a a, a seg a leader in the segment you know they're they're narrowing their content library raising prices like should have better. like all that stuff he was kind of saying like they're still a great stock for the next you know especially after the pullback when it went up to over to 700 he was like okay it's been cut in half now it's a good buying opportunity um but now he's like all right now i'm out it's like okay and it's just funny too like i had friends who bought tesla at like 1100 and they've had a rough year so far and it's like okay but if you bought a stock and sold it with like less than a year it's like i i can't tell i if you're buying a stock for long term you don't hold it for even a year like the government doesn't even respect you because they're not going to give you you're not even going to get you get short term gains on the if you sell it before a year you get short term gains so even the government doesn't recognize that shit so it's like at least do a year you can't i mean i say 4 or 5 for some of these most of them really and so if folks just get in and out of stocks, it's like, okay, well, you know, I can't help you if, if you're, if you're, if you're not going to stay for at least a year here. So my friends that bought Tesla at 1100, you know, you're getting back up there. And again, it's going to take time. Like Kathy Wood says, what, 4,600 by 2026, 40, yeah, 46. So just stay in it, stay in it, man. It'll all be fine. And like this kind of shit happens time and time again. I hope that that people don't really get scared by it. There was a tweet by a, a finance account that I followed. I, I really liked the tweet that he said. I, I'll, I'll need to share it on the Cash Pineapples Instagram if I can fucking find it. Um, it was really good. It was. Uh, but by the. Oh, here it is. Here you go. It's uh, not Mr. Manzel, by the way. At not Mr. Manzel is the account. He's an options trader. Pretty good account. I like following him. It's he, Here's what he said. And I, I agree with the sentiment 100% because this happens all the time and it's it's sad really. He goes, it's absolutely crazy how many people my age got absolutely murdered in the stock market in the last year. He's a younger guy. Just by buying and holding companies that they thought had growth potential in innovative industries. Many want nothing to do with it ever again. Uh, yeah. And he's talking about companies like, I'm sure, like SoFi, Teladoc, even like Square, Shopify. If you got into those companies last year and you're looking at your portfolio now, you're like, what the fuck? Or even like PayPal, Netflix. I mean, a lot of these, Facebook. I mean, you're just getting destroyed. And so it's it's a bummer that he's right. I know, I know people who are going to be like, nope, I'm done. I'm not coming back in this shit. Like, I learned my lesson, like, never again. Burn me once. I'm not stock markets. Where you're gonna, and it's like, like, I know people like boomers who are still scared of the stock market because their parents were raised by depression uh, or they were raised by depression age parents, you know? So it's like in 09, that's my generation of people. They're like, oh, I'm not going to invest because of 09. I saw my parents get crushed in 09. And then before that, 2000. And so someone replied to that tweet. And I love what he said. He said, I'm 62. I've seen this story play out multiple times. 81, 87, 2000, 2009, and on. Same story always. Some newbies get slammed, some rich. Some think they have it, then lose all. Some never return. Biggest long-term winners have been handed their asses, but keep going. Never give up. It's true. It's never. It's not always all gravy. But if you look at the, if you look at the upward trend, and this is when, 
this is when the big money comes in. This is when the big boys make their make their plays, both on buying stocks and the cheap and their options up and down, all the volatility. And so I keep saying that in, pre- in previous episodes as we as we get more and more into options, like, hey, use take this opportunity to be distracted by options. Play the options game. You're bummed out about your Netflix shit. Okay, we'll learn how to play a put on it next time. I should have done that with Square. I mean, Keanu told me on a fucking, we did a live podcast and he told me to do it. And I was like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> but hey, live and learn. And people aren't ready for anything until they're ready for it, right? So someone can, I'm glad, I'm so glad that those options guys never gave up on me. I'm glad that they were like, hey man, do this, do this, do this. And kept sending me shit and kept sending me and kept, you know, I'm so glad they did that. So I'm because you could tell someone they're blue in the face, but if if they're not, if you're not ready to do it yourself, it's not going to happen for you. So don't let don't let them win. Is what I'm saying. Don't let them do their don't let them do their tricks again because they'll always do it. And like we said, when you learn about options, puts pay faster, and they pay more. Like people, I just as soon as I saw that Netflix drop too, I just kept thinking how much money was being made. That was the first thing I thought. Was man, people are making some crazy, crazy cash as this flies down. So, um, but hey, some good news. If you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know how much I like Palo Alto Networks. They got another boosted price target. I love it. You know, I love the big stocks, but man, what a great, some of those like bigger companies, but not 100 billion yet, like those 30 to $70 billion companies. Man, there's money to be made there. Like twenty-five to seventy-five billion-dollar companies. If you can catch them early, you know. I started buying into Palo Alto when they were like a twenty-some billion-dollar company. Now they're like sixty-something, and they've passed CrowdStrike in market cap. I remember over a year ago, I kept saying like, "Hey, Palo Alto might look more expensive, but their market cap is less than CrowdStrike." Not anymore. It's crazy, right? And I do think Palo Alto is the next candidate for a stock split. I kept saying Shopify should do it, and then they finally announced it, ten to one. I mean, now it's the fucking stock's going to tend to win itself without even doing the split. <laughs> so they don't, uh, a little, little too late anyways. But Key Blank, or not Key Bank, Key Blank, Key Bank boosted the price target on Palo Alto Networks from 643 to 729 I know Palo Alto hit a new 52-week high recently at like 640-something. Maybe it was 640 right on to 729 I mean, cloud-based security software, who would have thought? During uh, times of such uncertainty and war would make money. Oh, I don't know. Me every episode. So that's a, hey, it's a good one. I kept saying if you can get a, you know, if you can get a sub 600 price on it, great. But it's hard to come by now. And, but hey, we could still get it. The way things are going, everything's in play now, you know. I mean, Tesla started the day up 11%. Now it's kind of hovering around seven percent we'll see it's, again this tends to happen where it'll like shoot up for a minute then go down i mean it happens all, we know this is a keeps happening for years last few years but again shopify surprising i'm going to keep an eye on that one i know amazon's trying to compete with them hard like amazon's getting pissed at shopify because one one thing amazon's had a trouble has trouble doing is selling outside of their own prime service and so they introduced a new thing called buy with prime which is a feature that combines amazon payments and fulfillment services so basically it's it's have it's it's letting Amazon Prime members receive all the fast shipping and benefits of the merchant. So it's essentially if you're an online retailer, Amazon's basically like making it easier, basically playing ball now a little bit. And so thankfully companies like Shopify, Pinterest, uh what's the other not Pinterest? Is it Pinterest? Maybe it is. 
Etsy. That's what it was. Shopify and Etsy kind of forced Amazon's hand to like, hey, man, you got to compete with us a little bit because if you're going to take these merchant fees, uh, we can compete with that. And so that's partially, I mean, that's, again, going to why Shopify is taking a little bit of a hit, getting a lot more competition in that space. But they have they have the resources. It's a, it's a tough industry to compete in. So they have the resources to to compete. I still, uh, I'm still going to be on board with Shopify. I'm not doing anything with my shares at this point. It's not a massive, massive part of my portfolio. Definitely not anymore <laughs> because it's taken such a hit and, and other things have kind of maintained. And it's kind of like making me think, it reminds me of what I always tell folks to kind of narrow their focus with stocks, like really just hold on to the ones you really, really believe in. And so it's kind of making me think that more and more because I'm like, man, I kind of tried to expand my portfolio. When I tried to expand my portfolio outside of the stuff I really believed in, I kind of got crushed a little bit. Like when I went to Spotify, um, Spotify is getting beat up now because of the Netflix stuff. Like, oh, you're the next for this to happen too. So Spotify is getting crushed because of it. Um, which could be like, and even the Netflix drop, I think is over is overblown. So, and I'm sure we'll start seeing some more articles coming out in the next week with a similar sentiment. But my point being like, as I, as I limit, I'm just going through my, my main long-term long-term <laughs> can't stalk my main long-term holdings and just seeing where like, you know, if I just narrowed, if I had five stocks, you know, like Amazon, Nvidia, Square, Apple, Tesla, Palo Alto, Airbnb, Google. I guess, yeah, that's the ones like the only ones that really are that I in my long term that are ones that I kind of really just Spotify because Shopify is getting beat up, but I still believe in what they're doing. Spotify is just kind of more like a, I th I'm I think pretty sure, you know, a lot of disruptive investors are behind it. So, again, it's not what I have a ton of money in, but it's what goes to one of my principles of investing where it's like, hey, if you're investing a, a not life-changing amount of money, like why not change your life? So it's like, I don't know, I have like a couple thousand in Spotify. And so it's like, that's not going to change my life. But if it goes on a run and pulls a Netflix, then it, it's not going to change my life, but it it's definitely more significant. It could be life-changing money where I'm like saying, you know, 1500 to 10 grand. Okay, that's going to change how you think that week or that month. You know, that's a little different, but even 10 grand. You know, that's why I tell folks, if you haven't started, like I kind of, that's something like my round number of like five to 10,000 to start investing. If you're thinking of starting a long-term investing portfolio, it can be less than that, obviously. But I say, get, get five to 10 in there as quick as you can, because that's when you can start seeing like that kind of money invested in the right companies. You can start to see like kind of life-changing money. I'm not saying that five to 10,000 can make you a millionaire overnight. It could over 15 years. Like one of my, one of my biggest stories I tell folks when I graduated high school, if I put that $14,000 I had and left it in Apple, 2.1 million right now so yeah over time it can make you a million make you a millionaire but even if not ten thousand dollars in 2020 in tesla is now over a hundred grand so ten thou to one hundred fifty thou. i'm not saying you can retire one hundred fifty thou, but that is life-changing money i would say that can really do some shit for you so why not Especially when your bank is giving you 0.5%, which now I believe like staking crypto is doing the same thing. I know people who stake their crypto and now they're just kind of getting similar rates. I'm like, yeah, they're, just, they're, they're banks now. They're just giving you bank rates. So that's fun. <laughs> and speaking of crypto, I meant to tweet this. It's in my drafts right now. I'll tweet it today. But Bitcoin's been kind of boring for a while. Bitcoin and Ethereum's been boring for a good minute. 
And uh, anytime that those are boring, it's time to buy a little extra. I'm a little light light on capital at the moment because I've been putting all my capital towards inv- uh, options building. But it's time to get a little crypto, get a little extra Bitcoin. Anytime it goes below 40000 you should pick up some. And it was at like 40, 41 recently. It's been at that level for a bit. So I always tell folks, anytime Bitcoin is boring, that's when you come in. Don't chase the news, be in the news. Same with the stock shit, you know? Keep an eye on stuff in the long portfolio. God, this would be crazy, by the way. Stuff is kind of, this is, I'm recording this on Thursday morning and the market's opened up like over 200 points. And now things are just like, the NASDAQ's almost flat now. (laughs) So... Tesla was up 11% to start the day. Now it's up only, well, only six. That's still up great. Still up 6%. But it would just be, it would be bonkers if the markets opened up 220. Just everything was green this morning and then they could close negative. I mean, it's been happening more often than not lately, which to me is just indicative of all the volatility and all the option shit plays that are going going on right now because people are, there's so much action in the first 90 and last 90, uh, and it's like, I see it more and more. Like I, I never look at the first 90 minutes of the day as any sort of indication is where things are headed. Cause at this point after lunch, all bets are off. It's 2020 again. It feels good to feel something again. Right gang. What fun market. The markets have been kind of boring the last few weeks. Finally, we got something to talk about. We can feel some pain or some gain. <laughs> I always tell folks, it's what's so fun about stocks. It's good. It's a good, it's something to pay attention to if nothing else. It's something to make you feel. Well, on that note, I think it's about time to uh, wrap this up. I need to eat some pizza and head over to the old Javits Center. But I've been eating a lot. Of, I think the only thing I ate yesterday was pizza. No, I had a buffalo chicken thing, like a panini from like a deli. I love it. Gotta love the New York pizza. I'm right by Joe's Pizza and Vito's Pizza, which are both good. Two brothers, meh. But a solid bet. I haven't been to East Village Pizza. I have to go to East Village Pizza and get a fucking buffalo chicken slice before I leave. And Minka Ramen. There's things to do. Man, it's Thursday. I'm supposed to leave New York Monday. But I feel like I need to extend this trip because I just I, I there's things I got to do. People I got to see. There's still food I got to eat. I don't have to be, After this, I don't have to be anywhere until the end of May. So, hey, why not have some fun? Convince me otherwise, right? All right, gang. Have a good week.